Shalom and welcome to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. This is a recording from our 2021 Passover Prep Learning Series. The goal of this evening is really to give you time to hear what the basics are around shopping for Pesach but then to also be able to ask some questions. So questions that you might have around things that you've always done because that's what your mother did and that's what your grandfather did and it's gone back and back for generations. Um, or to also say, you know, this is, this is a product that I usually buy this way. How do you think I should be buying it in the future? So we're going to start with the basics, which is halakha. So we're going to start with the Jewish law around food on, Pes- on Pesach, on Passover. Um, and I do have a uh, handout. I don't know what else to call it, even though you're not in person with me right now. Um, it's not really a source sheet, but a thing on Google that I am going to send to you so that you can look through it. Because we're not going to have time to go through each and every link that's on here, nor each and every word. Um, so I will send it in the chat, and you're more than welcome to do as much of the reading as you wish uh, in preparation for your shopping. Hold on, I'm doing tech and also speaking. So give me one second to let these people in. Okay. Um, <clears throat> so we are going to start right here. This is actually the bottom of the sheet. And these are just the halakhic concepts that you really need to know as the basics before you go anywhere. Um, so the first concept is that you, you are not, as a Jewish person, ara- allowed to consume or derive benefit from chametz. So what does that mean? That means that for many of us, we will be selling our chametz, which is a legal fiction because it still remains in your house, in a cupboard, or in a f- refrigerator outside, or wherever it is in your home. Uh, but the idea is that someone who has access to your address and to where your chametz will be, could come into your location and take that chametz because now it is theirs. It does not belong to you at all. Um, There's a funny story that I heard from a rabbi that they put all of their bread and those kinds of things and very good alcohol in a uh, cupboard in their garage and gave the key to the maintenance person who worked at this rabbi's shul. And the the maintenance person came in and enjoyed some of the good liquor, which was his right because he owned it. Um, So... So when doing this, just know that people can can take advantage of it and should. Uh, but anyway, that's that's the reason that we do that, because it's not actually even supposed to be yours anymore. It should be a non-Jews, because they can derive benefit and can consume chametz over Pesach. But the the more stringent approach to this is, is what's... Uh, is what's written here is bal yir and bal yimse, which is written very from, but I'm going to say it the way that I would say it to you, uh, which is that you can't see it and you can't find it, right? So that's part of why we actually search for chametz also, that you wouldn't want to open up a book and see crumbs fall out. That's as if you own chametz still. So you can't find it. You can't go can't go looking for something and come across a box of crackers, but you also can't somehow see it, right? You can't have 
the things that you are selling in the same place uh, for, of those things that you are going to be consuming and using over Pesach because you can't see it and you can't find it. So that's the major concept for everybody to keep in mind. And it's, it doesn't rhyme, but it, but it works well. It's a short phrase to remember. You can't see it. You can't find it. So Bal Yirem, Bal Yimseh. And that's the overriding principle. So the idea that you can't consume it and you can't derive benefit from it actually comes from that you can't see it and you can't find it. Because if you can't see it and you can't find it, then you obviously can't derive benefit from it and you also are not going to be able to consume it. So that's the umbrella that we're working with here. Before I go to the next uh, concept, does anybody have any questions about that, about that concept? No? Everyone good so far? Not everyone has their video on, so just... Oh, yeah, Karen. Okay. This is probably cheating, but in a closet, I put a sheet over. Yeah. Is that cheating? I have to get rid of it all? No. Well, I will... I know where it is, but nobody goes there. Right. So I grew up in a house where my parents didn't use a sheet. They used like old newspapers um, because it was a cupboard that even if you tied it, you could still open it. So they would cover the items and then they would tie it off as well so that we knew not to go in there. As long as that chametz is also, quote, sold and not yours any longer, that's totally fine. You just need to make sure you can't see it, you can't find it. So if that's a cupboard that no one's going to be opening, using a sheet or old newspapers or you know whatever you want to use um is totally fine you know some people some people use foil on everything in their house not for this purpose but some people then choose to use foil also to cover up those kinds of cupboards or shelves um and we sell it to the temple yes so so we were actually just today not have anything to do this class, just talking about how we, again, are going to do it through the conservative movement this year because we're not in person. And so it's an online way to be able to do it. You also can do it individually, right? If you know someone who is not Jewish and is willing to go through these steps with you, you can. Um, There are like halachic parameters for how you sell something in this legal fiction, uh, but if you're interested in that, it's it's not hard to learn, and we could definitely tell you how. Any other questions? I'm also going to look in the chat to see if there are questions, but any other questions? Yeah, Rebecca. Um, if you're not going to be at your house, do yeah. you need to sell your helmets? Yes, that's a great question. Um, you do. Give me one second. I was in the middle of reading this. Yes, Okay. So you do because the, you could come back to it or it's still yours, right? So even for those people who go on cruises or, you know, go to the Bahamas uh, with a Passover spree or whatever they're called, I've never done it, obviously, um, but you go and you're not going to come back to your home before Pesach is over, you still sell your chametz because it is still your home and you are not allowed to derive benefit from it nor own it. So even though that might sound bizarre, you know, the selling of your chametz is already bizarre, so just do it. (laughs) Um, But for example, I will spend all of Pesach at my parents' home and though I will clean my house in case I need to come back here and do some work or whatever, I still will sell my chametz, even though I'm not going to be in my kitchen for the entire week. Uh, it's just, 
a, a good kind of safety measure to take. Um, and halachically, you're supposed to so that you don't own it. Um, Norm or Rachel, who's ever behind that name, and then AJ. Uh, that's me. And when I've sold hummets in the past, I've always done some physical act of Kenyan, such as pulling on a piece of cloth or a handkerchief or a pen. Yeah. Uh, is there any, anything like that that's going to be possible to do this year? Um, no. Well, I shouldn't say no so quickly. I haven't heard that there is. Um, we are going to be doing it as far as I know, like we did it last year um, through the website that USCJ is using. Um, but I don't know. Talk to me. Email me about it. Um, I'm sure that, that there are other people who might appreciate that. And, and I can talk to Rabbi Klickfeld about it if we'll offer that. A- additional question. Yeah. Why is the fast of the firstborn on Thursday, not Friday? Because you're not allowed to fast for, <laughs> this, this is above my pay grade, um, you're not allowed to fast for uh, on Shabbat. So you, similar to, to why we would make it such that you had a fast day, you know, completely without going into Shabbos, that's, it's the same for this. Um, it also might have to do, though I didn't look it up since it's, this isn't the topic, um, it might also have to do with preparing uh, like doing bedikat chametz and all those kinds of things, which you have to do on Friday, even though Saturday night is the first seder. It might have to do with that, though. I would have to look into it. Um, we do all of those things on the same day that is the fast of the firstborn. Right, right. No, I just don't know if it's because it's on a day that it's not technically supposed to be. If that changes it, but okay. I don't. I don't know. It was just a guess. Okay. Uh, thanks. AJ and then Rebecca. So, if you own something that doesn't contained homemade before Passover, it's, it's still retains that. There's nothing like tainting the fact that you owned it beforehand. Some people get really obsessed about having to go out and get something just for Passover. Right. So that's actually what this entire class is going to be about. So yeah, we're going to, we're going to get to that in just a second. Um, but yes, the, the, the cultural kind of obsession that we've started to have around it having to say K for P or it needing to be something that is made by a brand that we know is coach for Passover is more of an obsession than it is halakha. So I'm going to, I'm going to walk us through that exactly uh, in just a few moments. Rebecca. Is there? Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah. sorry. Um, well, the, the follow-on is, is regarding um, koshering itself. So obviously the shul is not going to have koshering again this year. It, we didn't do it last year either. Yeah. But we're, <laughs> I'm sure I'm not the only one who now has more items that are set aside, not usable, um, or even brand new items that have never been used. Yeah. Um, just uh, are is there a do you know of, of some organization that is doing some limited koshering? So um, Rabbi Elliot Dorf, who I'm sure you all have heard of, uh, is doing a class on koshering your kitchen in two weeks, actually, through this same series. And I'm sure he'll refer to that a bit. 
Um, I don't know of any institutions that are doing group koshering, but I do know that he is going to help you through how to do your own koshering um, and might have answers to that question. Okay, Rebecca, and then we're going to move to the next topic. Okay, sorry, one more question. Um, so if somebody's traveling from another city to come to LA here for Passover, yeah. should they be selling their hummets in their locality there or can they sell it through the rabbi in LA here? Um, it, it technically should be the person nearby because again, that person, that non-Jew should have access to the hummets. If they don't have someone to sell through, they can do it through us, knowing that it's a legal fiction. It's probably, you know, all the same. But technically, halakhically, you should do it with a person who is nearby. Okay. We'll contact Rabbi Pernick. Yes, contact Rabbi Pernick. Exactly. <laughs> Very good. Um, I will tell him he has a question coming. Um, okay. So we're going to go just to the next topic because I know there are lots of questions, but I want to keep us kind of on, on brand here. So this next halakhic concept that we, we all need to know when we're going through the, the shopping process is this idea of chametz she'avar alav ha-pesach, uh, which literally means items of chametz that were kept during Passover that you didn't sell. So you forgot that in trying to hide the cookies from your grandchildren, you put them in the cupboard and then you went to open the cupboard to find a Cuisinart and oh my gosh, now you have cookies that are chametz that you didn't sell because when you, tr- when you said that you were selling your chametz, it was only in that cupboard over there, not the cupboard that has your Cuisinart and also the graham crackers. So what, what, this, what this halacha is telling us is that it's not that you have to, well, let me read it first. It may not be consumed, nor may one derive benefit from it. This means that if you neglected to sell your box of raisin bran, I think graham crackers are, crackers are a better example, but okay. Before Pesach, you may not consume it or derive benefit from it even after Pesach. In fact, one accidentally per in fact, if sorry, one accidentally purchased chametz shevar alav ha-Pesach, the item may not be returned for a refund, as this would constitute derivation of benefit. So, what this halacha is saying is, if you found those graham crackers. Even once Pesach ends, so let's say you found them on day seven, even when Pesach ends a few days later, you're not supposed to then use them as graham crackers once Pesach has ended because you're not supposed to derive benefit from something that you weren't supposed to have in the first place. So that does not go for all of the chametz that you sold in the other cupboard. It just goes for the chametz that you didn't know you had and therefore you didn't sell. Um, However, you are allowed to give it away. You're allowed to give it to like a Sova drive or you're allowed to give it to someone who is not Jewish, who you know who could benefit from food or just likes cookies. Uh, So you can give them that, but you cannot go back to a grocery store and say, I really don't have any use for this. Can I get money? Because again, that's deriving benefit from those cookies. Okay. Renee and Ben, and then we're going to go to the USCJ's list of stuff. But when you sell the chametz that you have, you're selling all of the chametz that you're aware that you have in your house. No? Keep going. So, like you said, let's say, you know, 
Rafi opens up a cabinet that happens to have animal cookies in it. It doesn't matter because I've already sold the 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 chamet, those animal cookies. So it so it does matter. Um, the reason that it matters is because first of all, if he's opening up a cupboard and there are animal crackers in them, you shouldn't be able to see them. So if he can find animal crackers, you know, as a not even five-year-old, <laughs> he can find animal crackers, they're able to be seen, right? He's not searching for them. So that's the number one no-no. You shouldn't be able to see it and you shouldn't be able to find it. Then the second piece is that when you, when you sell your chametz, you're supposed to sell it very specifically. So it's not just that you're selling my whole house of chametz. You are selling a cupboard or a refrigerator or multiple places. It doesn't just have to be one. But the more specific you can be, the better it is because then it's clear, again, to the person who can derive benefit and can own that chametz, where it can be found. If you just say your entire house, then sure, you've now kind of covered yourself, but it, it might not be as um, uh, valid, not the right word for a, for a legal fiction, but it might not be the way to go about it if you're really trying to sell your chametz. So if, if it's possible to say, all of the chametz I own is in my kitchen, right? Then that's totally fine. Then you can say that's where it is. But again, you wouldn't, you still wouldn't want to be able to find it or see it. Now, this is all legal fiction, right? So though it is halachic, all of this is something that we are going through to make sure that we don't own chametz and that we don't see it and we don't find it. So it, the fact that it could be found is obviously easier when this is a legal fiction and not actually something that you're doing by giving all of your chametz away and selling it to someone in a physical manner. Ben. My follow-up question to that is, you had said, if I find it on like the seventh day of Pesach, what happens if this is someplace that I hadn't sold, but I didn't find it at all during Pesach? So let's say there's like graham crackers in my, in my uh, backpack that I thought I had put away, but I hadn't. And I never go into the backpack and I don't find it until two weeks after Pesach. And I'm like, oh, I never put that away. Yeah. So, so then it's kind of up to you, right? It is Chametz She'avar Lav HaPesach because your backpack was in your house on Pesach. So even if you didn't go into your backpack, it was still in your home while celebrating Pesach. So it's still in the category of Chametz She'avar Lav HaPesach. However, could you say, and very rightfully so, but I didn't know it was there for the entire time that I was observing Pesach, and therefore it's as if it didn't exist. Sure, you totally can. And some people are able to then kind of get around things that they then find later on, like those animal crackers that are found right after Pesach ends. Are you really in trouble for it? Probably not. Can you still eat them? Probably. Um, so you just have to kind of decide for yourself how, how you want to play with that uh, in terms of what you know and what you didn't know going into Pesach. That's a great question. And that's the fun with halacha because there's a rule and then there's also like, you know, then you have to decide now for yourself what's going to be the most important thing. Okay, we're going we're gonna to move to actual shopping because I 
actually think that there's going to be a lot of questions. And so I want to spend the majority of the time on that. But these are the two principles that in order for us to have that conversation, you need to know about the things you would be bringing into your home and the way in which you're going to shop for them. So what I'm going to show you is the... USCJ, this was written by actually a Ziegler student um, with the help of and guidance of Rabbi Aaron Alexander, but it was written by Jared, what's his last name? Someone help me from Ziegler. Scoff. I got it as soon as you unmuted. Okay, good. So Jared Scoff actually was working with Rabbi Alexander to make this happen. Um, so this is, this is, just a subset of what is on the rabbinical assemblies website for all the things you would need to know about Pesach. I did not want to overwhelm you too much. So here is just some of it. And if you want more, there is more and I can send you uh, the link to get to it. So the reason that this even exists this year is because the CJLS, the Committee of Jewish Law and Standards, is very aware of the fact that the pandemic is not gone. So there are many people who are still not going to grocery stores. There are many people who are still ordering, you know, via like Instacart or something like that, where someone else is doing the shopping for you. And there are also financial difficulties for people, whether it's, you know, directly associated to groceries or just in general, there are difficulties around, around finances, given that we are living through a pandemic. So this, these standards that the, the Rabbinical Assembly, the conservative movement have put out for this year are very similar to last year. However, now that we know a little bit more about the pandemic and we know that many more people are, um, are kind of comfortable with the way of buying groceries and those kinds of things, there are some some leniencies that we took last year that are that are moving more into the camp of stringencies again. So those of you who used this guideline last year, it is a little bit different um, this year, knowing what we know of the pandemic, but also of the way that we've lived through a pandemic. Okay. So I basically just gave the summary of what this says at the beginning. Um, but again, you're more than welcome to read this on your own at time. I, I'm going to have to make you all pretty small on my screen to be able to see the document. So if you have a question, raise your digital hand if you can or write it in the chat because um, I just I can only see four of you right now, which is not helpful. Um, <clears throat> okay, when you're purchasing food for the Seder, just remember that just because you're grandfather had a shank bone on the Seder plate doesn't mean that you have to have that same shank bone. So when it comes to thinking about how to put your Seder plate together, here are a few ways that you can be creative and still 100% kosher and halachic. Number one, for karpas, it can be any vegetable, right? Uh, when I lived in Israel, the family who I spent Pesach with they did all kinds of dippings with all kinds of vegetables because that was a fun thing to do. And when you only have one Seder, you're very creative the first night. Um, but you can use any kind of vegetable that you can say the same blessing for. So bore pri ha'adama, anything that comes from the ground, you can use for karpas. It doesn't have to be parsley dipped in salt water, even though we all might think that it does. It doesn't. Same with maror. 
Horseradish was very hard for people to find last year. You can't find horseradish? Fine. Do romaine lettuce. Do arugula. Do something that is sharp. Radishes. Fine. Do something that is sharp that you can use. The only thing that you would try to not use unless you're really in a bad way is canned horseradish because it has um, other stuff in it. So unless you can get pure canned, which I don't know that I've ever seen or jarred, whatever the word is, uh, you would want to use some kind of root as opposed to the the jarred stuff, which you could use still for korek. That's totally fine. But on the Seder plate for that particular part of the Seder, you probably want to use a, the natural substance. And again, maybe the natural comes also in jarred. I, I don't know. People are commenting. So my guess is that it does. And I don't know about it. Um, no. Okay. You can use bananas for carpas. Great. Okay. Awesome. <laughs> um, Okay, egg and and the shank bone on the Seder plate. Again, you could use a roasted beet. Um, if you use if you eat kidney oat, you can use rice. Uh, they even gave you the source for that one because they knew no one would believe them. So if you need to use somewhat something else, look it up in the Gemara. Um, but again, you can be creative with the things on your Seder plate and still have it be a kosher and very exciting Seder plate. And by the way completely in line with what Pesach is, which is a time to be able to ask questions. So don't see this as a hindrance. See this as a real opportunity. Why are we using a roasted beet this year instead of a shank bone? And then tell the story at your Seder or your spouse uh, when they are confused and concerned. Okay. Purchasing a food. Anybody have any questions about the Seder plate? It's kind of straightforward. Any thoughts, questions? I'm looking for hands. I don't see any. Okay. How are we all doing? I'm doing a lot of talking, but are we doing okay so far? Yeah. Okay. Thumbs up. Great. Okay. All right. Purchasing of food. So what I want to say before we, before we get into the lists of things, what I want to say is that purchasing of food is going to be made easier if you do it earlier on. Um, a lot of this is that's not just because I think that you should proactively take care of Pesach. <laughs> it's also halachically going to be easier for you to find things that don't have to be marked with kosher for Passover if you buy them before Pesach. So we're going to go through those items. I know my my own family, some of whom are on here, um, my own family feels very strongly about certain brands and certain kinds of things because it's Pesach. That doesn't mean it's halacha. That means it's custom. So when we go through this list, when I tell you that you can buy milk that isn't made by, you know, the OU in Chicago, that's not because I'm trying to steer you away from halacha. It's because you can you can buy it without kosher Passover stamp on it before Passover starts. Okay. So as long as everybody took a deep breath and is going to be okay with that information, we're ready. So... Um, let me see if we want to go through this really. Oh, okay. So, so they wrote here about kidney oat a little bit. I just want to, we're not going to go into this too much, but I just want to say that the reason that, um, the rabbinical assembly has decided to also again, kit, uh, add kidney oat this year as a leniency is because sometimes those are just things that are easier to find that will allow you to have protein that you wouldn't naturally think to have. But during a pandemic, if you need to eat kidney oat, because that's what's going to allow you to have protein and nutrition during this time, 
whether it's pure kidney oat or kidney oat in substances like soy lecithin, I don't know if I say that correctly, um, or any kind of corn syrup, though that's not particularly healthy, but anyway, if that's in things that you need, then potentially keeping kidney oat this year might be a good solution for your family and a healthier solution. So again, I know from my own family, this is a really hard thing to wrap your head around if you've never kept a house with kidney oat available to you. However, during a pandemic, sometimes we take leniencies so that we can make things not crazy for ourselves and keep ourselves safe. And this is one of them. So I just wanna put that out there. I'm not telling you that you have to eat kidney oat, just that you can. Okay. I put things in red that I thought would be new information or at least shocking to some systems. And then I put the things in blue for you to, to kind of like simmer down from the shock <laughs> um, and to be able to, to take it in with a spoonful of, of what you've known from the past. So I'm going to just read this from Rabbi Alexander. It is important to note that many products that are plain unflavored dairy products, so milk, yogurt, cottage cheese, hard cheeses, frozen fruits, vegetables, packaged legumes, and rice, again, they're going to add in kidney oat here, even if you don't practice that, can be purchased with a year-round hexure before Passover as a matter of course. That does not mean that if you are a home that does not keep hexure kosher, meaning you are a home that keeps ingredient kosher, so you will buy garbanzo beans because all the can says is garbanzo beans, those garbanzo beans, again, if you're eating kidney oat, still need to have a hexure on them to go along with this halacha. It can't just be garbanzo beans or strawberries or those strawberries unless frozen, will not have a hexure on them. Um, they had, need to have a hexure, but what this, tech, what this uh, source is telling us is that they don't need to have a kosher for Passover hexure. So dairy that already has a hexure on it, you can buy before Passover as long as you do not open it before Passover and it has a hexure on it. So right now, you could, well, right now might be a little early, but in a week or two, you could go to Ralph's and go to the kosher dairy section at Ralph's and get cheese or milk and put it in your outside freezer and not open it until Pesach and it's totally fine without a kosher Passover hexure. I know there are questions. Just let me get through this a little bit before you start asking me about brands and whatnot. Um, the one thing that is important to note is that once Passover starts, this law no longer exists. So that's why I was saying shopping before Passover is going to be helpful when, if you're trying to adhere to these leniencies, not leniencies, these, um, these rules and this way of making your life a little bit easier. As soon as Passover begins, if you go to Trader Joe's on Cholamoed, you have to find products that are kosher for Passover. You no longer can just buy frozen fruit that has an OU on it. Is that clear to everybody? Okay. Um, all right. I will take two these two questions and then we're going to move on. Karen and then Renee. But you can't buy strawberry yogurt. Correct. You can buy plain yogurt and put strawberries in. Correct. Exactly. 
You're very welcome. Renee. Is that irrespective of what the hashkacha is on it? Like if it's OU versus K or does it have to be only one or the other? So that's a, that's like a Ben question, right? Like that's a question of your own halacha. So if you hold by like Trader Joe's um, hashkacha, then, then sure, then that's fine. If you don't, if you hold by higher level um, simanim, right, higher level hashkacha on, on items, then you should hold by those same level, like you shouldn't put a leniency on yourself to hold by any, any hectares now that you're getting ready for Pesach. But if you hold by star K or you hold by tablet K or things that you might see more at a place like Trader Joe's, you can hold as that being a hectare for Passover. But if you're someone who only ever holds by OU, then you can't decide, oh, well, tablet K is okay for me for Passover. Does that the make fla- And the flavoring is because of the uh, additives? Additives, exactly. So that's why also like flavored coffee is not okay ever um, on Pesach, because we don't know what the additives might be. And those additives are the things that then would bring the chametz into the quote mix of the item. So strawberry yogurt, for example, might, if it's organic or natural or however they might um, sell it, it might just say on it, all the things that go into yogurt and strawberries, but you still don't know if those strawberries were processed in a place where they also process graham crackers. I'm just going to keep using graham crackers. Um, And therefore could have chametz as part of them. We just skip Pesach this year. (laughs) <laughs> no, we're making Pesach fun. Um, but the other, the other piece of, of this that is, that is important to remember is for those of you who know halacha of food in general, not, not Pesach halacha, um, 160th is often something where you think, oh, I was carrying milk from one side of my kitchen to the other. It dropped into my stew. Is that okay? Because only one drop went into my beef stew. Is it now trafe or is it still beef stew? It's still beef stew if it's 160th of the stew. On Pesach, that no longer exists. 160th goes out the window for chametz. So even 160th, of a crumb in a something is now chametz. So again, that only holds for Pesach. Therefore, if you buy something natural that might be made in a, in a facility that also makes, makes, makes chametz, that is not something we worry about before Pesach, but it is something we worry about on Pesach because the 160th rule goes out the window. Okay. So now we're going to go through this list. I'm not going to read it to you because I always hated teachers who just read me things that I could read myself. But here is a list of things that never need a kosher for Passover hecture. Okay. They are generally chametz free. Like when you go into Ralph's and you see one year, I took pictures of all these things. I thought they were just hysterical. When you see like shampoo that is kosher for Passover and uh, silver cleaner that is kosher for Passover, like you don't need sponges that are kosher for Passover. You don't need any of those things. Do they make you feel better about having a kosher for Passover home? Sure, great, ha- buy them, totally. But do you need them? Absolutely not. So baking soda goes into that same category. Uh, you're not gonna like take a spoonful of baking soda and put it into your mouth. So we assume that it's always chametz free. Or if you are, we should, we should duck. Um, eggs, 
unflavored regular coffee, right? If you're just now one very big note that Rabbi Aaron Alexander would be sad if I didn't mention here, you cannot buy unflavored regular coffee at Trader Joe's and put it through that thing that grinds it for you at Trader Joe's because other people also put their hazelnut coffee and their vanilla coffee through that thing. So if you're going to buy unflavored coffee before Pesach, it needs to be in a bag, sealed, take it home, and you can grind it at home or buy it already ground, but it needs to be unflavored and stay unflavored and not contaminated by other flavors. Is that, is that okay with everybody? Makes sense? Or maybe it's not okay with you, but does it make sense? <laughs> okay. Um, this is a really big one, the nuts. So whole or half it says specifically here pecans, but other lists that I've listed for you um, lower down also have other kinds of nuts like walnuts. Um, so any kind of nut that is um, not in pieces, but is like in its original form is totally fine. Um, kosher wine, interestingly enough, you don't necessarily need to buy kosher for Passover wine. Again, that's something that I do because it makes me feel better about having people over, though no one will be here, but having people over and seeing that K for P is also not hard to find, but it doesn't need to be the case. Um, Joanna, you have a question? While people are looking at this list. I do have two questions. This first list that we're looking at, um, when it says requires no kosher for Passover certification, it requires regular kosher for all of this requires regular kosher certification, just not kosher for Passover. Do I have that right? Then I have a question about the ground coffee, because if you say I can buy ground coffee that's already in a bag without kosher for Passover certification, isn't there like a good chance that the company that ground that coffee also grinds hazelnut coffee and vanilla coffee and whatever in the same grinder? Like, Sorry, I didn't know if you were done. Yes. <laughs> yes. So, so for people who are worried about that or who don't know, like if you're buying coffee at Trader Joe's, for example, you, I know I keep using Trader Joe's, but it's just the place I know the most about. Um, you would probably not want to buy ground coffee there because you might not know what other coffee is being ground at the same place that Trader Joe's has their coffee made. If you're going to a place that grinds their own beans, you can ask them. Um, if you are a person who just buys beans and doesn't buy ground coffee, then just buy beans. I would say it's always safer to get something for Passover if you're going to go with this buying um, with only a regular hexure, not a kosher or Passover hexure always buying in its original form. So same with coffee, that you would want to buy it in its bean form, not in its ground form. Um, nuts, same thing, uh, to be able to, to know that you kind of can see where it comes from and that it hasn't been processed. Yeah. Atya. Um, I, I understand that um, decaf beans from Trader Joe's or from wherever are not kosher Pesach. Is that the case? Um, yes, I guess, because it says regular coffee here. So my guess is that that is the case. I don't drink decaf coffee. <laughs> uh, I only drink decaf. Okay, so I, I can look into that for you. But my guess is because it doesn't say decaf here, you are correct. Um, that decaf has something in it that would not allow it to be kosher for Passover, unless it had a kosher for Passover hexure, in which case it would be fine. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I also use the same grinder. I yeah. just clean it. Yeah. It has regular coffee, you know, have flavorings. I can do that for Passover, use the same one, right? That's totally fine. Yeah, as long as you hex, uh, kosher it. And again, yeah. if you have questions about how you can ask Rabbi Dor, um, yeah. as long as you kosher it, it's totally fine. Okay. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah, of course. Rebecca, did you have a question? Yeah, building on what Bacha was saying, I also just drink decaf. And these last few years, I find it increasingly hard to actually find kosher lepesach decaf in yeah. regular stores. But I, I see that, I guess, coffee... Um, instant um, decaf by Folgers, if you can find that, it sounds like that is uh, uh, with an OU, Folgers decaf instant. So I'm going to try to look for that. So the decaf coffee, it looks to me based on this, again, I have to look into it. It looks like Jackie might know more about this than I do. So she's welcome to write in the chat. But um, it looks like based on this list, you have to have kosher for Passover uh, hexer on decaf coffee at all times, because here it just says un- unflavored regular coffee. And so that would not be decaf. So Folgers, if they, f- if they have a kosher Passover hexer on Passover, then that's fine. But if not, then it wouldn't be fine. Uh, Frumi and then Renee, and then we're going to keep going to the next list because these are not our only list. <laughs> Hi, thank you so much for doing this. So um, if you have, I mean, I grew up where it was really strict, but I was just wondering if you have some of this stuff that's not with the hummates, do you still have to go and buy it new or can you just use your oil and your nuts that you have that hasn't been touched? Great question. So in terms of, and this is actually l- later in this document, and I don't know that I'll read through it, so I'll just say this and then you can read it um, in its entirety. During a time of Sha'at Hadachah, which is any time that is not normal, basically, so a time like a pandemic, um, if you have a, an olive oil that all you do is take the olive oil and pour it over something and you have three quarters of a jar left, um, do you have to buy another olive oil? It's kind of up to you and your level of kashru for Pesach in your home. I did not last year. Um, I used the oil that I had because quite frankly, I didn't really know how to shop yet during a pandemic. And I just used what I had knowing that it's never touched anything resembling chametz, the way that I keep it in my home, the way that I use it in my home. So there are people who like to buy a new one, knowing that it's going to be new. And especially because it is something that doesn't require kosher for Passover, um, Heksher, you could buy it and then use it all year round and it doesn't have to be bad tasting. (laughs) Um, You can just use that oil for the rest of the year. That might feel more comfortable to you. Nuts are a bigger problem because nuts could be open and then you could, you know, put your, put your hand into something else and then back into the nut bag. And then all of a sudden now it's, full of comets or not full of, but has touched comets. So that was a little bit harder, but oil or things that are kept in containers that might not be contaminated in any way in your home, you can make that, um, that, that decision for yourself. Uh, and you heard what I did. So you can decide whether I was right or not. <laughs> Thank you so much. Perfect. No problem. Okay. Debbie and then Renee. Thanks. So does that also, following up on that, does that also um, 
tie into pure spices? So spices are interesting because I'm just looking here to see. Yeah. So it says unground spices, right? So, so like rosemary or dill, but not garlic powder or onion powder. So anything that, again, think of things in their full form um, that if you, if you had it already open and again, you know, it's not being contaminated by anything else because you're not touching it with your hands or putting it in the same places crackers or something like that, that you can make a gut decision on whether or not you think it's kosher for Passover. I would always say that if it's something you use a lot of in this list, because this is a list that doesn't need kosher for Passover hexer, if you use a lot of it during the year anyway, just buy a new one, right? Like it's, as long as it's not a matter of financial distress, and not something super expensive, I would just say buy a new one. But if it's going to be something that provides you with stress, or you know, it's really ridiculous based on how you use it, then don't and just use what you have. Um, And that's, that's your that's your home decision, which is totally fine. Rabbi Dorf always talks about how on Passover, when when he's talking about like kosher of the kitchen or kosher or uh, yeah kosher of the kitchen or kosher uh, kosherine uh, pots and pans and whatever he said I always ask Marlin <laughs> right he's the rabbi that knows everything but she's the one in the kitchen so she knows how those spices have been used and how that oil has been used so those gut those gut you know I'm happy to answer the questions, but those gut checks are also extremely important to this halachic matter. Okay, Renee, Gary, I see you have a question. Write it in the chat. Renee, ask me the question, then we're going to move on to the next one. Very quickly. I'm just curious what your thoughts are about dog food. Yeah, we're going to get to dog food. Um, My thoughts on dog food are you're not eating it. Um, However, the halacha around chametz shavar lava pesach, like... Is there chametz in your dog food? Probably. And so you have to decide whether or not you're going to get kosher or Passover dog food, which exists, uh, or not. Or you're going to, as my family uh, has done in the past, feed the dog in a place that is different than than it currently is, right? So maybe not in the kitchen, but maybe outside or, or whatever. Um, another good gut check question, though there is halacha around it. I just don't agree with it. Um, Okay, a big one here that we didn't talk about, and I'm not going to take comments on, but just so you can see plain butter. I feel like every year I buy like kosher Passover butter because I think you have to. Um, And again, I will this year because in my brain, like there's something in me that tells me I have to, but you don't have to. Margarine is a different story, but butter, you um, plain unsalted butter, you can buy with a hexure and not kosher Passover. Okay, this one is the most important one to me, by the way, so... The fact that I don't have to buy bad seltzer is great. Um, so this next list is, is very important. So this is a list of things that you're going to be surprised by, um, but or some of you might be surprised by. You can buy them before Passover, but you should not buy them without a hexer during Passover. Okay, so you can read why it says it here. Uh, but for the people on the podcast, I'll read it. Okay. The reason for this is that these products present the consumer with a slightly lesser level of certainty, unlike the first category for which there is certainty, as to whether an unintentional trace amount of chametz may have found its way into the product. So what the, what the uh, conservative rabbis are saying here is 
we do not know that 100% of, of these items have no chametz in them. We do know that there would be very small traces of it. So if you buy it before, it's not an issue. But if you buy it on, it would be an issue. Whereas the products that were listed above are never an issue in terms of chametz. Okay. But then it says, however, if the food item is crucial and one cannot procure a marked KP version of the food during the holiday itself, one could purchase said item on Chol HaMoed. This is a leniency for COVID. Next year, God willing, when we are not in this pandemic, this blue line here will go away. This will not be something that is true because when you are able to go to a grocery store safely and all of the rest of it, this is not a halachic leniency. This is something that we are taking upon ourselves for the time of a pandemic. Everybody go with that? Okay. Um, All right. So here is the list. So um, frozen fruit, we talked about before. Plain cheeses. This is a huge one because on Passover, I don't know if you've ever noticed, but cheese goes from like $3 to $18 for some bizarre reason. So if you can buy plain cheese that doesn't have anything else in it, it's just cheese. So you have to check cheeses that could have packing um, materials, not like, not packing materials like you would find in a box, (laughs) like preservatives and those kinds of things used for packing. Um, They can't have any of those. It has to be a plain cheese, organic cheese, um, that kind of thing. So it takes a lot of label checking, but, uh, but it's doable. Quinoa. Um, you should find quinoa that says gluten-free on it because as Jared mentions later on, there are many things that add oats these days, which is not okay. It might be okay for people who are gluten-free, but it's not okay for Pesach. So you want to find a quinoa that says gluten-free ideally, if that exists for you. Um, I like that it says white milk as if you're going to buy green milk, um, but milk that is pure. Not- milk. Yeah, yeah. But then it would say chocolate milk. (laughs) You don't call that brown milk. Um, Chopped meat, right? So any kind of like empire meat or anything like that that you might find at a kosher section in your market is totally fine before Passover. Once Passover begins, you have to find meat that has um, kosher Passover insignia. Uh, I'm not going to read through all the rest of these. Again, some of these are kidney oat, so like rice milk and soy milk. I've never had those on Pesach, but um, if you eat kidney oat, you can. Canned tuna. This is another huge one that last year just blew my mind. Canned tuna that is just tuna, just tuna. Can't have anything in it. Can't be like any of that star kissed, like very exciting flavors tuna, which I've never had, but they look weird um that you can't you can only buy canned tuna that has that has water or oil that's it by the way a lot of canned tuna is not hectured so just make sure it also has a hexure on it uh this can't just be like canned tuna period it has to still be hectured um plain non-flavored decaf coffee it was here um so again i don't know if that means ground or not i can ask rabbi alexander who will make fun of me for asking a question about ground coffee but i'm happy to ask it and take the brunt with the left uh pure honey another thing that people often buy by geffen which ends up making it more expensive and probably not as tasty uh you can buy that before ground salt and peppers 
you can buy that before Passover. Uh, my grandparents once went to Costco to buy all the stuff for Pesach when I was living up in Northern California and came back with a new salt and pepper, A, because I needed it, and B, because it was Passover. And I still have that salt and pepper because it was just huge. So if you want <laughs> to buy new salt and pepper just for Passover, you don't have to get it at Costco. You can just get a regular size of it. Um, I'm going to move on because it's 8.24 and this class is supposed to end in six minutes um, and there's only our second list. So if you have questions, keep them, keep them coming, put them in the chat or write them down or something, but I'm going to keep going uh, in my own little uh, hopefully funny-ish monologue and then we can, uh, we can ask questions later. This note here is, is, by the way, just telling you exactly what I just told you, with, which is this is based on something called fake sfeka, which is uh, a halachic principle that says that there, because there is a doubt, there there very likely still will be a doubt. Um, but that makes this a harder leniency without a pandemic. So again, if you want to read more about that, that um, this is this is here for that. And again, they give you the sources if you want to look them up on Safari or something. Um, I just put this in red because I think that people often think about asking your rabbi a question in like really from communities, but Passover is a time where, first of all, I love it. I love answering questions about kashrut and Passover shopping clearly. Um, so please ask me, ask Rabbi Klingfeld, who, when I asked him if I was allowed to teach this class as, because he's the Mara Deatra, he was like, yeah, sure. Just tell them what to shop for. <laughs> so you can ask me or you could ask for like Link Feld. Um, but we're happy to answer these questions. Like even while you're in the grocery store, if you have, you want to send us a picture of something, uh, we would love to answer these questions for you. Again, I'm not going to go into it because uh, because you can read on it. But kidney oat, if you are going to choose to eat kidney oat or your family already eats kidney oat, there are rules around how to buy kidney oat. Um, so fresh kidney oat are very different than dried kidney oat. So like corn on the cob is going to be very different than buying a bag of garbanzo beans. Um, those, those two things are going to have different rules around them, both for before Passover and during Passover. Um, and then frozen raw kidney oat. So, you know, corn or soybeans, those kinds of things. Um, all right, these are the things that require kosher Passover label at all times. Um, so you cannot buy these things now unless they're already carrying them in the grocery store as kosher for Passover. So obviously matzah, um, which by the way is not a given. You have to check matzah. I mean, if you know a brand is always kosher, check, that's fine. But if you think, oh, that matzah looks so great, I've never seen that before, check to make sure it has a hexer because it doesn't always. Some people just make matzah. I don't know why, but they do. Um, and also some matzah, especially right before Passover. So all that matzah that was on the shelves for Purim, a lot of it says not for use on Passover. So just make sure that also when you're buying matzah, you don't buy it so early that it's not matzah that was made for Passover and therefore not, um, not good for Passover. Not every brand will do that, but just be careful. Um, all frozen processed foods, which I can't even think of an example to give you um, other than ice cream, which is listed by itself. Uh, herbal teas have to have a Passover label on them. This is one of those things that 
you make a gut decision. Like if, if herbal tea is something that you have and you don't know how to procure it on, uh, during a pandemic for Passover gut check, you know, I, I think tea is probably like the least of these things to have to worry about because it's tea, um, but it still could be made with preservatives and on equipment that deals with hummet. So again, you can, you can gut check, you know, the halakha, you can make your own uh, choice. Obviously candy, that's why we have such great, terrible candy on Pesach. Um, liquor needs to have kosher or Passover labels. Now, interestingly, not, not wine, right? Not kosher wine, uh, but liquor does. So the, the one question that people always ask is tequila. Can I have tequila on Passover? Most rabbis would say you try to find tequila that has a kosher or Passover um, hexure. Others would say if it's made from pure agave, again, like gut check yourself. And if it's never been opened and all those kinds of things, I won't say it's fine because it's not fine, but you can decide for yourself if that's, um, if that's something that you're okay with. Vinegar, you do have to buy kosher for Passover. That's, um, that's a given because of uh, the different uh, elements of, a vinegar, of a, how a vinegar is made. You can tell it's getting close to late for me. I'm starting to like mumble my words. Margarine, again, kosher Passover soda. Kosher Passover, yellow cap on Coke. Very exciting. Everyone loves it. Enjoy it. Um, okay. Again, Jared wrote this whole long thing on gluten-free. Make sure it says oat-free. Read up on it. Jared, I'm sure, is a great guy. Uh, I didn't add it here, but he's a great rabbinical student, and anyone who works with Rabbi Aaron Alexander uh, is wonderful. So um, this was his thing, I think. Uh, right. Yeah. Keeps going. Okay. Great. You can read another time. So this last piece I'm going to just bring, and then I know it's eight 30, so feel free to be done at an hour. I totally appreciate that. I said to Nancy Goldstone over, earlier today, this will be done in an hour and I will hold us to that, but I'll take questions after the hour. So Pesach starts Saturday night. And people are wondering, how do I have challah? I'm supposed to have challah on Shabbat, but I will have already done bedikat chametz. How do I do that? So there are a few ways around this. You could eat outside, right? You could have challah outside. You could have all of your chametz outside and not have to worry about it inside because you've done bedikat chametz inside. You could eat egg matzah because egg matzah before the Seder is actually considered not not chametz per, per se, but it's considered not the type of matzah that you can use halachically for the Seder. So it's okay to eat. Some of you know that there is a, a halacha around not eating matzah too close to the Seder on Passover. So egg matzah is fine in, in, those, uh, in those boundaries. So is like any kind of matzah that's been made with like a fruit juice or anything like that though it has to be made with more, more wheat than fruit juice for it to be mozi. So just make sure that that's the case. Um, I'm just seeing if they wrote anything else about that. No. So you can, you can either be very creative or have egg matzah and call it a day and it won't be great challah, but like it'll be fine. And you can eat it inside your house because you don't have to look for it after Betty cut chametz. Um, I will be eating challah, not in my home because anytime I can eat challah, is, is a good excuse to eat challah. Um, okay. 
I'm just going to point out these other resources for anybody who's going to leave. Um, I'm going to put this in the chat and you can keep the document. These are other sources that you can click around. Some of them are printable lists of food. My favorite one is what's kosher for Passover at Trader Joe's. However, just know that they didn't create one last year because of the pandemic. So some of these things are going to be outdated and you're going to need to check it a little bit more carefully than I had to check it in 2019. But it's still a great just foundation for for the list. Some of these are very from websites, which doesn't mean that they are bad. It just means that some of the things that we went over today that our conservative movement is taking as halacha this year might not be be written as okay by like the OU, for example. However, I will say that the rule around shopping for things before Passover and that list is exactly the same, if not more broad, according to the OU. So you can look on these sources and and see things that might be uh, might be examples or brands even some of these you can go by brand as to what you can buy before Pesach starts. Um, okay, that was that was a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot, a lot of talking. I'm hoping that it was helpful. Um, I am going to now share this link with the chat so that if people want to go and don't want to listen to questions, you can still take the, um, oh, Jackie knew the Patron is kosher for Passover. My gal. Okay. Um, here you go. Here's the document that I was just showing you. Again, any questions, happy to answer them now or later or when you're in Gelson's. Um, so just let me know how, how I can be helpful this was a very big overview, but the point is you can do it before, you're gonna be okay, and the earlier you start, the better. Um, gluten-free matzah before Pesach, someone just mentioned. Yeah, totally, also gluten-free matzah is much better. It tastes like saltines or Pringles, it's really great. Um, uh, yes, okay, uh, uh, questions. Gary, you've had your hand up for approximately 45 minutes. So let's go with you. You have to unmute first. Unmute, 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 unmute. Gary, you're talking, but you, I can't hear you because you're muted. I'm sorry. Yeah, I apologize. Um, in the old days, we would gather our, our started food, be it started wines and things like that. Not, not, excuse me, started oils and everything else. And my neighbors were really happy to get that. I mean, we start, you know, we basically, we'd clear out, if there was Cheerios, we'd start it over, you know, we'd, anything that was open would go to the neighbors. Yes. And, and, but can you, can you hide, when you, can you sell that, hum, that started stuff? I never did that before. I just wanted to. So you can, sorry, I just put, spilled tea all over myself. I don't know if anybody caught that. Um, but you, you can sell it. The, the issue with keeping it in your home is that it's open. And so most people would say, when I learned this with Rabbi Alexander in rabbinical school, he said, don't waste food. So if you have an open box of Cheerios and you know that your kids or you are going to eat it after Pesach, put it in the cupboard that you're going to sell, call it a day. Seal it may be better than it usually is sealed, but call it a day. Don't burn, like you, you, probably have either seen or heard of people burning like full loaves of bread that could have just been put in a freezer and sold. That can go to a neighbor. All that stuff can go to the neighbors. Then. Right. We have non-Jewish 
You can give it to neighbors or you can put it in the place that's going to be sold as long as it's, again, sealed and, and sold. Um, but don't waste food and don't feel the need to, um, to burn anything that's open. You know, if you have stale bread that's open, burn that. But, um, but you don't have to worry about burning everything that's, that's opened. I will say that starting now, and I know that some of you are having like minor heart attacks over us even talking about this on March 2nd, but starting now, go through the things in your freezer or your cupboard that are open and start using them up, right? Don't open new things until you use those up. I mean, as a person who lives alone, I do that all the time, but right before Pesach, try that, try that. And, and then you'll also not have the question of what do I do if something's open or, or how do I deal with it? Uh, Paula. This is great. Thank you. Um, so margarine appears twice on this list. Oh. I only buy margarine if I go somewhere and I'm making something parv. Okay. I never buy margarine. Break stones, whip margarine, the best part of Passover, except maybe the tequila this year. Um, <laughs> but so it should be purchased before Passover. I've only seen margarine like kosher for Passover. No, and then margarine must weird, you know, cottonseed oil stuff. Yeah. And so, then yeah. then later on it says it requires kosher for Passover at any time. Yeah. So it does require kosher Passover at any time. I don't know where it was listed, but which other list it was listed under. Um, butter was listed under the, you can buy it with a regular Heckscher list. Um, but the, the margarine has to be kosher for Passover because it's often used with soy and other preservatives. So if you eat kidney oat, that might change for you um, if it's just a soy-based margarine, excuse me, but the, uh, the idea of margarine on Passover is better to be safe than sorry and just get kosher for Passover margarine, though most, most people will choose to get like the, um, the sticks of margarine that, again, you can use all year round and it tastes just like regular margarine. I think. So you can buy... Who makes margarine that you... You can't buy buy like Earth Balance, for example, which is the brand that Trader Joe's carries, right? You can't... Because it doesn't... I'm sorry. (laughs) I don't know where it was coming from. I just heard... No, no, no. You got my attention here. So wait, by the way, it it did say... It it did say margarine in two places. Okay. So the Earth Balance that is soy... Yeah. Would it be okay if it was just K... Because it's, is soy the kidney oat? Soy, soy is kidney oat, yeah. I'm just looking to see where you're seeing it. This. It was it's in the number two list. and number four. Just search margarine, control F, yes. and it pops up twice. Um, okay, yes, I'm just looking to see. Under the second thing, it says year-round supervised margarine is okay. Barbara's always got me. Okay, good. Exactly when you read it, I found it. Um, Yeah, that's a very, it's a good question. I wonder why it's in two places. Year-round supervised plain margarine. um, And then it says margarine. So let me, I'll ask Rabbi Alexander. My guess is a typo. The, The idea with margarine is 
Actually, my guess is it's not a typo. My guess is that it's on there because of kidney oat, and then it's also on there at a time when we weren't talking about kidney oat, um, because margarine, the one thing that most people would would be concerned of, of is the kidney oat in the margarine. If you eat kidney oat, you don't have to be as concerned. So Earth Balance, which is in my refrigerator, but I don't know the ingredients offhand, is a soy-based product, but I don't know what other products are in it. So if it is hectured, but if it has other things in it, it might be seen as potentially chametz. Okay. Uh, but I'll, I'll ask Rabbi Alexander because my guess is that that is, that is a kidney oat thing and not a kosher or Passover thing. God, God carries mother's um, margarine, for which is kosher for yeah. Passover. Yeah, but they give it, it in that big block Passover. and you can't, it's and like it, that, it's that, that big block of block. What happened to the days when you could get a stick or four sticks, not to be confused with foreskin, but anyways, it just, those two things are not the same, but what do you do uh, with that big thing? Right. You know what? Wait, um, this is Debbie, but Jennifer, if there are two or three people who are looking for margarine, maybe you could all get together and buy the big thing uh, and figure it out. Just cut it into four, Jennifer. Really By the way, exactly. I'm sure none of you are alive. Wait, oh, I just muted you really on purpose, but also by accident. Um, okay, hold on. Everybody one at a time because I can't hear you if you're all screaming at each other. Um, though I kind of knew You can, you can I, easily cut that block of mothers, for instance, into quarters. Yeah, yeah. Lengthwise, cut it in half, then take the two halves, cut them in halves. I do that all year long. It, it works really well, and I wrap them individually after I've cut them. Barbara, our math teacher. Okay. Um, so I knew that this was going to kind of be a little bit of a therapy session also, which is totally fine. I'm happy to hear all of your worries about margarine, but I will say that I, I do think that, I do think that the, um, that the concern around margarine is probably kidney oat. So let me ask Rabbi Alexander, who also will make fun of me for asking this question. Um, but again, I'm happy to, happy to ask and hear the answer. Okay. Those of you who are raising your hands nicely, I'm going to call on you next. Batia and then Gary and then AJ. I want to apologize because I came in late. I lost track of the time. So you probably already discussed this, but what about kosher cheese? Does it have to be marked kosher le Pesach and also cottage cheese? Yeah. Cottage cheese um, was on the list that I'm now not looking at. So if someone wants to find it and then... Um, let me know. I, you can write it in the chat or just yell it out. Um, it does um, not have to be kosher le Pesach. It does have to be kosher le Pesach? It does not if you buy it ahead of time. It does not. Okay, great. Um, so then what I'm about to say goes for both. So it goes for cottage cheese and goes for regular cheese. The one kind of cheese that is very difficult to put this um, this halacha too is shredded cheese. So if you're talking about a block of cheese, you can buy it ahead of time. As long as it has a hexure, it doesn't have to have the kosher for Passover 
texture on it. The reason that shredded cheese is difficult is because it has a uh, caking on it, often made from corn um, or other kinds of, as I called them before, packing materials. Um, and that, and I just keep saying it because it makes Jackie laugh. Um, and because uh, now she's thinking of those little peanuts that come in and pack. Yeah, see? Uh, so that's the reason that shredded cheese is difficult. However, if you are going to buy shredded cheese and it is kosher, period, look at the ingredients and it might be okay because those same places, I forget what the, what the brand is, but that black bag that you can buy uh, in the kosher section at Ralph's or any kosher market, Stark, that's what it's called. Stark is the brand. Okay, now I need therapy. Um, the, that brand makes, co- makes kosher cheese all year round, right? Regular March 2nd cheese and also kosher or Passover cheese. So it's possible that they don't have the caking on their kosher, I mean, on their shredded cheese that others would. But like if you're going to buy hexured shredded mozzarella made by, I don't know, Kroger or, you know, some random brand, then just make sure that it has, um, has, uh, the correct ingredients. And this is all before Passover. So as soon as Passover starts, it has to be kosher for Passover. Okay. You're very welcome. Oh, you said thank you to Joanna, but I'll say thank you. Y'all say you're thank welcome. Thank you. You're very welcome. Thank you. <laughs> yeah, of course. Gary, unmute again, Gary. Uh, I'm fine. I, I, you answered my questions when the, when the I'm done. I'll save some time. Okay, great. Um, AJ, did you still have a question? AJ? Question? No? Okay. Other questions? Thoughts? I have a a question. Yes. What about spices other than salt and pepper that are not specifically kidney oat like mustard? Yeah. So it's, it mentioned this, it mentioned spices in one of the other um, lists. You, if it's a full seed, it should be okay. If it's ground, then you have to probably get a kosher Passover and uh, hexure on it. Um, it really just depends. So it is on the list. Again, I turned it off, so I can't, I'm now not looking at it, but um, ground. So uh, yeah, that's what you said before. If it's ground, it needs to be kosher. If it's, if it's whole seeds, it doesn't. Yeah. Whole unground spices and nuts can just be kosher, 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 not kosher for Passover. Um, but then, so, so if you look on the OU website, for example, it's going to tell you that all herbs need to be kosher Passover. Um, so this was another one of those things where it has to be a gut check. You know, if it's ground, sorry, Bonnie's giving me a look, um, dried spices, not, not like dill, like fresh dill or fresh, fresh rosemary, but, um, uh, sorry, I looked at Ben's question and it's, and it, I lost my train of thought. Um, so in terms of spices, if they're ground, I would just, I would think about if you're buying new ones, just buy kosher or Passover. Cause who cares if you're using the kind that you already have in your house, um, then I would just consider if it's ground, maybe getting a new one. And at that point getting one that is not kosher. I never buy, I don't know if I'm like outing myself in a weird way, but I never buy kosher or Passover spices. Um, because I just think that there's really no point, especially in how spices are made these days. And Diane is shaking her head. So I'll, I'll go with that. It's okay that I just added myself that way. Um, 
But uh, I would say, Jackie, you're probably okay with spices. That was a much longer answer because I went on a few tangents, but. Also, most of the delicious spices are anyway kosher for Passover, I mean, during the year anyway. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's just that for people who live alone, like Jackie and myself, sometimes the delicious spices are just huge. And at a certain point, like, you just don't, you don't need that. And they're just going to go bad. So um, that's why I don't do it. Again, a lot of this also has to do with, like, saving your own resources and making sure that you're taking care of yourself, both in safety and in financial distress. And so if that's buying regular spices that are 30 cents as opposed to $4, like do that. Uh, Bonnie, then Barbara. You said brown spices. Is that, what about the leafy ones like basil and oregano and thyme? Those are totally fine because they're whole. They're not ground. They are whole. Okay. Yeah. That's totally Thank fine. you. Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah, Barbara. Uh, I I know that salt has to be unidized, and I buy it unidized and go through it and then use it the rest of the year. Why is the iodine bad? Why uh, is that forbidden? I didn't know that it had to be unidized. Well, uh, I think it's supposed to be non-iodized salt. You're all shaking your heads. Um, I don't know. Does anybody know the answer to that question? No, and it, I don't know. I know that it's supposed to be non-iodized. On the other hand, a lot of products have salt in it that are okay to buy, and it's probably not non-iodized. So there's like a contradiction there. I think that it's because some of the, uh, the, the way the iodine gets into the salt has to do with hamates, which is only if it's not not chametz chametz, but uh, kidney oat type chametz. In other words, a something that would be regarded as chametz in a strict Ashkenazi perspective, and not necessarily really a problem. So I think that's where that comes from. Uh, I read something about the process, and I think that's where it is. But but I don't remember the details right now. I never knew that. Hmm. I see something that says in any of the salt, you know, it's like, yeah, you can have whatever salt, but check to see that there's no dextrose, iodine, or polysorbate listed in the ingredients. Wow. So those, those three you, you should not have in your salt, dextrose, iodine, or polysorbate. But it doesn't say why. Is that correct, Rebecca? I, correct. I'm just... I will look it up. I'm on it. Okay. I'm just to know why. Um, Henry, you are already unmuted. Go for it. So I was going to um, say this is probably a little bit too liberal, but um, my my way of dealing with all this stuff has to do with if it's a one-way container and it's open and it's kosher for Passover ordinarily because of its ingredients, I use it through Passover. I don't worry about it at all. So that would include any spices pretty much. It would include, you know, just any container that's, you know, that I would be able to eat on Passover, as long as it's something that would never be something where I would put a knife into it to get it out like peanut butter or something like that. If it's truly genuinely, it goes out and never anything goes back in. I don't worry about it. Yep. That's, that is how I have practiced as well. Again, like mostly because I live alone and for me to buy all of these things twice a year seems absolutely ridiculous. Um, but that, that I, I would say, yes, you're right. It's a lenient position, but not an unhalachic position. Like I think that, 
again, I use this example for the oil earlier. If you know, the way that I use oil is I take a, a thing of olive oil and I pour it into an olive oil pourer. I don't know if there's a word for that thing. Um, and, I, and nothing goes in it. And nothing could go in it. Nothing goes in it. And the only way I'm using it is to, you know, smear it on things. So I know that my bottle of oil has never, ever, ever, ever been chametzified, right? And if I can buy regular oil that's exactly the same on March 28th as it was on March 3rd, I'm not going to worry about it. Um, there are certain people, and I believe that I will be one of these people one day when I'm buying these things more regularly with a house full of humans, hopefully, that that feel like Passover is just a good time to replenish those things anyway. And so you do, but the way that you're practicing Henry, I think is the way that most people either do or should to make themselves not crazy, knowing that the halacha around what you're doing is completely sound. The only thing that people um, potentially get a little bit like uh, more stringent around are ground spices that uh, that could be made in the same place as ground spices that would be seen as kidney oat, right? So like mustard seed, for example, like if you, if the same brand is ground mustard as the garlic powder that you're getting or whatever, some people would choose, again, just for like Ashkenazi neuroses, would choose to get a different brand because that mustard might be ground on the same as the garlic, which is probably ridiculous in today's day and age. But, um, but that's one thing that I know people make that distinction to do. Other thoughts? Has this made things more calm and easy for people? Or are you now going crazy? No, it has not made things easier. Okay, well, that's good. I, I love the fact that I don't have to buy expensive tuna because I use a lot of tuna during Pesach. Yeah, there you and go. Now, and I felt guilty for several years. With Ralph's used to carry kosher for Pesach, cream cheese. It's the same darn cream cheese without the pea on it. Now you're telling me I didn't have to feel guilty all these years. <laughs> you don't have to feel guilty. And, and a lot of Passover, again, this is not this is not this class in particular, but a lot of Passover is about making distinctions, right? And and making that clear cut, I'm not going to have this because I know that I'm not supposed to have chametz, or I'm going to clean my house because I know that it needs to be different for this holiday or, or whatever. There, that's a theme that comes up a lot. And so making those distinctions is really important, but it doesn't mean that anybody, bye, Bacha. It doesn't mean that anyone should go beyond what is comfortable for them because that's just not what the holiday is about. The holiday was not written about in the Torah with God, you know, having Ralphs in mind, right? Like there was, there was no way for us to believe that this was going to become the crazy shopping foil covering holiday, right? It just, that's not what it's about. It's about making sure that you can have those distinctions, that you can have something different, that you can make sure that the way that you are, the way that you are practicing is both comfortable, but also makes it ritually special. Um, And that's what's important. So if you buy the same cream cheese or the same milk or, you know, the nuts from Trader Joe's or whatever, like, that that is all intention and that's exactly what it's about 
I do a lot of this shopping at Trader Joe's the week before Pesach because it's an easy place to do it. There are hectares on the things that I want. And then during the week, I go and get the few little things that I need that have kosher or Passover or the nostalgic things that I want to be kosher or Passover. And then during actual Passover, I only buy things with kosher or Passover. Um, we're almost over. And as Barbara just said, we're almost over. So any, uh, <laughs> it's okay, Barbara. Um, Larry wants to tell a funny story and then Paula is going to ask a question. I don't even see Larry. No, it's me. Oh, someone said go for, oh, Dale said go for it, Larry. So that's why I thought it's Larry. <laughs> so this, this is about leniency on Pesach. We, um, this is when we were living in Mozambique, and in order to buy, get Pesach products, we had to cross the border, drive six hours into South Africa, go to Johannesburg, and shop, and try and get it across the border, um, which was a whole process. But we did it every year. We bought for the community and everything. And one year, our son was actually visiting us, and we were going on a trip during Cholomoid back across the border into South Africa. And we had everything packed and ready to go. And we left all of the kosher for Pesach products back in our house. We took everything else. And there, was, there was a box. There was a box with all the matzah and everything. And we left it. And we got across the border and said, oh, no, what are we going to do? And so we went into a grocery store and we got things that were gluten free. Because we knew that gluten-free products, our daughter is, uh, has celiac disease. So we knew gluten-free products don't have wheat. Yeah. And that's what we did. And we ate rice crackers because we eat kidney out. And, I mean, sometimes you just make do. Yeah. And I, I will say that, um, that the way that we kind of lift up food for this holiday is both really fun and also nuts. I mean, it's one week of food. If I thought as much as I do on Pesach about how I was going to prep my meals for a week during, and of course there are hog meals and whatnot, which is different than just my regular, you know, Monday to Monday eating, but it becomes a little bit obsessive. And I think that everybody could take a little bit of the Mozambique medicine, right? In terms of thinking like, what do you actually need and what, what is necessary to have, right? We could all decide to just eat protein, whether that's kidney oat or actual animals and greens and, and um, fruit for an entire week. And we would be totally fine, <laughs> but we freak out because we want there to be substitutes for all the things we're used to having. And so, you know, this is no blame. I do the same thing, but a week becomes a crazy, a crazy, uh, you know, excursion of grocery shopping just to make sure that you're not going to go hungry for a minute. Um, the gluten-free line is a great one to tow because most things that are gluten-free, though, you should look for the oat-free stuff based on Jared's uh, assessment in America, uh, is kosher Passover and will have um, a hecture on it. I heard someone once tell me that they even feed their children the lentil pasta from Trader Joe's because it's just lentils and those are kidney oat. So even something that might be in your pantry right now 
uh, as a gluten-free option. If you eat kidney oat, I don't, I don't know the ingredients. It's not something that I've bought for Passover. But if in fact it only has lentils, then it might be totally fine if, it's, if it has a hexure on it. Um, so just look into those things. Passover does not have to be all about eating matzah and, you know, beastly and marshmallows covered in chocolate. So you can, you can find, though those things are good. Uh, <clears throat> any other questions? This has been very fun. I hope that you also have, have had fun, but this has been very fun for me to be able to answer these questions. Um, spaghetti squash, yes, true. Uh, Paula, I forgot that I called on you. Sorry, go ahead. Um, I, I think I answered my own question, but I, I was, I pull, I, we eat kidney oat now. It yeah. took us a bit. It, I, I think I had lentils in my house for like three or four years and quinoa, you know, lentils without ever opening them for yeah. three or four years and finally going, oh my God, my kids were hungry. We had to, this is what you, when you're vegetarian and your kids don't eat yeah. eggs, you, you have to eat kidney oat. Oh. But um, the, but on the conservative, the, the, what is it called? The, is it a response? The chuva permitting Ashkenazing to eat kidney oat? Yes. Uh-huh. They say not to eat tofu because it's processed and that tofu would require. So I wonder if that's the same about the lentil pasta. Yeah, it's possible. I have no idea what's in the lentil pasta. You know, so I would, I'd be, Oh, hesitant. I don't think processed, but tell me I don't have to be and boy, I'm there. (laughs) (laughs) I also think, and my grandparents are on this call, so I hope I'm not embarrassing them. I also think that sometimes it's about how you feel about a thing. So when my family first discussed eating kidney oat, because when I lived in Israel, you basically had to because the whole country does. And so unless you were going to eat fresh produce for a week, you basically had to eat kidney oat. Um, there are a few like five things that say lelo kidney oat on them, but most don't. <laughs> so you're just eating kidney oat. Um, but when I came back from Israel, the whole family had a conversation about, are we going to eat kidney oat now? And one of the things that was hardest for my grandma and, and my grandfather, but my grandmother is typically the one who's doing the cooking, um, was that she just never had these things in her kitchen before. Right. And that's a totally fair feeling. Right. My family, the first year that they decide and I'll say they because I still haven't eaten kidney oat on Pesach, even though I guess I'm part of the family that eats them. But those kidney oat um, include rice. And so my family decided we're going to do a sushi night. And I just I couldn't do it. I just I, I couldn't. I just couldn't put it in my mouth. There was something even though I knew I could, I, there was something visceral about, no, 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 during Passover, I don't eat that. So I totally get what you're saying, Paula, in terms of the lentil pasta. If you eat it during the rest of the year, it's going to be hard to put on your table for Pesach. Um, peanut butter is another really big one for people. You know, the, the conservative movement said that it was totally fine. My family has always eaten peanut butter, um, natural peanut butter throughout the year also, but especially on Passover. Um, because my dad is a diabetic and before we were eating kidney oat, that was a very easy form of protein for him that wasn't meat. And so we were always eating, not always, but we always had um, 
natural peanut butter in our home on Passover. And for some people, that's also a really hard one to, to begin eating peanut butter on, um, on Chag. Okay, Larry or Diane, and then Joanna. Can I tell a story? You may. So I, I, I told you to tell a story earlier, but then it was Diane. So you kind of, you are, you owe us a story. Well, before it was on a rant about getting out. But anyways, this is, I believe, a true story. I can't verify it. And I also don't speak Yiddish, so I can't give the punchline. <laughs> the town of St. Joseph, Missouri, needed a rabbi. And so they got a rabbi from Eastern Europe who came to the town. And on Passover, he was invited to a Seder. He was invited to, um, um, to a Seder by the president of the synagogue. And, um, and uh, came dessert, and the, uh, they brought out bananas. And uh, I have it wrong. I'm sorry. He invited the president to his house. Um, he, he went to, his, to the president's house. I'm, I'm going to get confused. Anyways, they asked him, I said, Rabbi, you eat bananas on, uh, on Pesach? And um, the rabbi said, sure, why not? The story I'm telling, I gave it wrong. It was a guy from Yeshiva University who came to replace the rabbi from Eastern Europe. Sure, why not? I said, well, okay, if you say so, Rabbi. And then for lunch on Passover, he's invited to the vice president's house. And again, they serve, um, they, 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 the, 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 the rabbi serves bananas. And they said, Rabbi, on Pesach, you can have bananas? He says, sure, why not? So by the end of the holiday, he's really confused. So he sends a telegram back to his Rosh Yeshiva, and he says, did I miss something? Are bananas not kosher for Pesach? And he got back the answer, of course, that they were. So he goes to the shamus of the shul, and he says, why is it that everybody here says you can't have bananas? He says, ah, that's because a previous rabbi came from Eastern Europe. And they asked him shalot for, uh, before Pesach. And one person brought a banana and says, is this kosher for Pesach? The rabbi had never seen a banana in his life. And he answered in Yiddish, you can't go eight days without eating this. And so the town had uh, minhag, no bananas for Pesach. That's awesome. And does everyone get the joke that that's kind of how kidney oat came to be? Does everyone get that sort of? Okay, so kidney oat, without going into kidney oat too much, kidney oat are exactly that banana story. So kidney oat are totally fine on Pesach. There's no reason they're not chametz. Um, There is no reason that they should not be allowed on Pesach, except for the fact that they didn't exist in the place where we were living when we were making our laws. And so we saw this corn stuff that could be made into like popped corn or corn syrup or somehow rise. And we thought, oh, we can't have any of these legumes that are going to look like other things that are rising. So we are going to call them kidney oat and not eat them. This is the basic version. I'm not giving you all the like behind the scenes. And so the conservative movement decided to come back and say, that was all complete bubkis. You can eat kidney oat, especially in today's world, when we know how things are processed. So, you know, like have, what, have whatever you want um, and, uh, and you can eat kidney oat. That's a great story. I, I didn't know where you were going with the bananas, but I loved it. That was great. And a very good full circle for the Herman family because we started with bananas being able to be eaten for carpa. So there we go. Um, okay, Joanna, and then we will kind of wrap this up uh, for all of us. 
So I posted a humorous link in the chat about Kitnia, which basically says in a very funny way exactly what Rabbi Schatz just said. Um, and um, I have a very interesting family thing about Kitnia. I'm an Ashkesfard. My mother is, you know, comes from a pure Ashkenaz background and my father pure Sephardic. So they're getting married and they now have to decide what to do about Pesach. And my mother says... And my mother says, I run the kitchen, we're doing it my way, and my father agrees. And it was only many, 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 many years later that they learn, which in a way doesn't make a whole lot of sense. Like that kind of logic actually makes some sense. But Jewish tradition actually is that you follow the husband's practice. So we should have been a kidney-eating family all along and never were. And I asked my dad a couple of years ago, like, Dad, would you go back to it now? And he was like, I'm so used to this, I don't think I would. Right. right. Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of it, I joked about this being a therapy session, but I do think a lot of Passover is kind of in your kishkas. And so whatever you grew up with or whatever you know is is how you is how you practice. And even when I was living in Israel, I remember thinking to myself, like, how am I going to eat this and it wasn't blatant kidney. I wasn't eating rice or anything, but you would go into a restaurant and you'd be eating, you know, potato, um, potato, someone random just okay. Uh, potato buns that were clearly made with, you know, starch that that you couldn't they would have kidney oat in them. Or like the chips that you would eat would have kidney oat. And, you know, at a certain point, you just say, like, this is where I'm living. This is what I'm going to eat. Hummus. I had tons of hummus when I lived there. Um, and uh, and that's, you know, that is part of part of what is great about taking on those different customs is getting to learn what those different foods are. Um, but, yeah, uh, going with Sephardic uh, customs is always better for Besach. Um Okay, this was very, very fun. Uh, and I'm so glad that you were all here. And we've lost, you know, 30 of our participants, but it was really nice to have everybody here. Um, and this went much longer than I promised Nancy it would go. So um, <laughs> I am happy to answer any other questions, you know, as as you start to be making your lists or go to the grocery store, or whatever, please, please let me know um, how I can be helpful. And again, a lot of those resources will be extremely helpful for you to see uh, other opinions and other brands and other items uh, that will be just as easily accessible for you before Pesach, if not during. You have been listening to another in our series of podcasts from Temple Beth Am, a dynamic center for conservative Judaism in Los Angeles. If you enjoy these podcasts, we invite you to write a review on the Apple Podcast site or wherever you get your podcasts. For more information about Temple Beth Am Los Angeles, go to tbala.org.